recording? Of course, I already started recording. Cool. Cool. (laughs) Hey, Kurt. Hey, Melissa. I would ask how you are doing, but I think you already made it kind of clear that you're not feeling well, and I'm sorry to hear that. I'm feeling better than I was about a week ago, but I'm still, I'm not in tip-top podcaster condition, which makes me feel bad because I'm very excited about what we're doing today. Well, and just to set the timeline for people who will be listening to this in January, uh, last week for us was our interview with Adam Jacoby. Where I proceeded to go home and then sleep for 14 hours. Yes. And then have been sick the entirety of this last week. And I don't, I, I haven't gotten this sick in a very long time, so this has been really fun. But I'm just telling myself that I'm glad it happened after a large work event that I had and before the forensic season. Because if I had to do this illness while I was in the forensic season. It would be uh-huh. hard. Yeah. Hard hard is a really generic term for it, yes. Yes, yeah. It would be it would be difficult. It's true. But today we're doing But I see I say it would be difficult because I know you would do it anyways. I would do it anyway. I've been at work the whole week. I don't take time off. I've yeah. just been a horrible version of myself at work. But we're we're plowing through because today we're trying something new, which is basically Kurt enjoying torturing me yes well we'll see if it ends up being melissa the new segment on forensic spaces (laughs) i think we may have just found our episode title Uh, kurt tortures melissa um yeah so i love the idea of us getting more people on the podcast who we can just talk to about their forensics experience uh people who are outside the perspective that melissa and i have we did a great series on that last year around this time where we were interviewing coaches that were recommended to me uh, through the NSDA central office. Those, uh, were great interviews. Um, I loved them. They were great. And you guys love them too. We had lots of great feedback about them. Exactly. But they lacked a little fun element that I thought maybe we could add this time, which is, I have no idea who we're talking to. Exactly. I have no concept. Kurt is like a giddy little kid who found the Christmas presents, but refuses to tell his little sister where they are. So he just tortures her with them because he knows how much she needs to be prepared and knows how much she hates surprises. So I, I am literally like hunchbacking right now with unnecessary anxiety. I thought you were Tyra Banks. Oh no, 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 no. That, that's from the, that's from the waist. I'm I'm in my hip bones right now. Got it. She would be she would be upset with me because I'm not arching. There, there's there's more there's more up here. Great visuals for our audio podcast. Tyra would be upset with me for so many other reasons. But, <laughs> but Kurt knows what's happening. I don't. Kurt's prepared. I'm not. So we're gonna play a little bit of 20 questions. So Melissa can figure out who it is we are talking to. Oh goodness gracious! Also, so, it'll be so embarrassing if I don't figure it out. People at home are like shouting in their cars. <laughs> that wouldn't be funny. Oh. But the safety net for you is that if you don't figure it out we'll just fake it on the back end yeah and you will magically figure it out i'll edit it in right it's the magic of podcasting thank goodness so i can never sound like an idiot yes. other than in this cool gravel. so the only rule for me in this was that i definitely need to make sure if we're doing this type of interview that it's somebody who there was that slurp Sorry. Slurpy slurp. I'm sorry. We just talked about the cone. We were just talking about the audio cone. You have okay. to slurp outside the cone. I'll have to slurp. I'm over here. There you go. Now you're out outside. You're out of the cone. Okay. There we go. We barely heard that. Great. Much better. Thanks. <laughs> All right. So. Keeping it in. Do. <laughs> 
So the only rule personally for, attacked right now. The only rule for me is that I had to make sure it's somebody that is like within Melissa's orbit, somebody she is aware of. At Someone the who actually least. likes me. Someone. Maybe it's somebody she knows personally. Maybe it's somebody she's never met, but I know she knows about the person. So, and he already promised me that, like, my number one forensics like hero is not someone he will surprise me with an interview with. Correct, that's because true. As we have talked about before, I do not enjoy surprises. But here we go. But here we go. Okay. All right. So, they are a coach in Wisconsin. Correct. They're a coach. They are a coach, yes. Okay. Are they a coach in Wisconsin? No. Oh, God. <laughs> what is happening? I thought that at least the first one would be a coach in Wisconsin. Okay. Um, have I met them before? No. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I hate this game, and you are physically giggling right now. Okay. Um... Have we talked about them before? Yes. Okay. Are they a BFD in the forensics world? There is a subjective nature to that. Yes. Oh, goodness gracious. Oh, my... I, I'm on five? Okay. Um, are they male? No. What is happening? <laughs> Um, okay, so they're female. Yes, and I'm not even going to count that as a question. They're subjectively a BFD outside of Wisconsin. Oh, my gosh. If you, it, it is not Pam Katie Wyckoff. No, it is not Pam <sighs> Katie Wyckoff. Okay. Like, my you, heart just, you, like, <laughs> stopped when you said it was female. I was like, Kurt, you promised. No, it's not. I, okay. I did promise. I, I, won't, I won't do that to okay. you. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Probably. Oh, I know you will, and it'll be the worst thing ever, because it'll be me crying on microphone, and you won't edit it out either. Okay, so they're female. Outside of Wisconsin. And they are, for sure, a coach. Okay. But I have not met them, but I ha we have talked about them. See, here's the thing, is my forensics brain is gone, so I'm out of forensics brain right now. Okay, um... Have you met them? Yes. Oh, crap. Have you worked with them in tab? Yes. Oh, are you friends with her on Facebook? Yes. Everyone sit in silence as I pull up my phone to go on Kurt's Facebook account. <laughs> to look at Kurt's friends. Oh, no, wait, <laughs> I'm better off doing photos because you're not in a lot of photos with people, but you took a photo with her. So I'll just have to find that. Oh my gosh. Oh look, it's a photo of us. Weird. I forgot that we took that picture. <laughs> Wait, maybe you're not even tagged in it. There's a picture of you holding a baby. What's happening? Who are these people? What is going on? <laughs> now you're just looking at Facebook. I'm trying to find the photo of you with her. This sucks. I hate this. Okay. Okay. This is a person who we have talked about because you met them and you've worked with her at Nationals. Does so her name start with an M? No. Because it's not Mary. This is horrible content. <laughs> We're so, I'm so bad at this. What is her name? <laughs> this is like, 
moment. This is physically distressing for me. I we are never doing this ever again because you're enjoying this so thoroughly. No, why'd you start the list over? Oh my gosh. Oh, I hate this. This is horrible. Who are these people? Why do you have so many friends on Facebook? I don't know. No one knows as many people. I don't know that many. Is it people. Julie something? No. Oh. You know you have so many friends. People actually like you. You were close. With Julie? Mm-hmm. Joy, Janet, Jill, Jamiroquai. Is it Jamiroquai? It's Jamiroquai. We're interviewing Jamiroquai! <laughs> I was wondering why you were wearing that hat. Um, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, can I, like... Was it, okay, does it start with a J? Yes. Okay, so I, like, I had good instincts there. It's Jennifer Jerome. It's Jennifer Jerome. It's Jennifer Jerome. I'm so excited to hear how much of me stressing about that you leave in the podcast. Oh my gosh. Also, I'm so glad we didn't do this with the person on the freaking phone call. Well, actually. Oh my God. Oh. Just kidding. Great first impression. You've never met her. She and I are great friends. Her first impression is her not remembering your name. I was like, I know that her Facebook photo is her wearing sunglasses from one time where Kurt and I were looking at her Facebook profile. Yes. Well, I think it's important to note that you knew pretty quickly who it was. Her name escaped you in your sick... Her name completely escaped me. Your sick brain did not allow you to remember her name. But yes, we are talking to Jennifer Jerome. Oh my goodness. So let's call Jennifer. Let's call Jennifer. Hello. Hey, Jennifer, this is Kurt. Hey, Kurt. How are you? I'm doing great. Good. I have uh, my co host here, Melissa. Let's Hi, make- Jennifer. Did you Hi, hear? Hi, Melissa. Okay, yay, you can hear both of us. Hooray. So, so far, this is going very well. It's going so well. (laughs) So, Jennifer, welcome to Forensics Faces. We're so excited to have you on the podcast. I'm excited to be on it. So we're excited to chat with you and just uh, to kind of get your perspective. We've never talked to somebody from your area of the United States before on the podcast. So we have no idea what forensics is like by you. Let's start with that. Do you call it forensics? What do you call it there? We do. Um, Those of us who compete nationally tend to call it forensics more than um, statewide. Across the state, we have, they just call it speech. Okay. Um, And we're very similar to Iowa and South Dakota and Minnesota, where we just have, have a ton of kids participating in competition, but just a handful actually doing the national events. Hmm. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's kind of struggle, but we're not like Iowa and South Dakota where we don't have a festival. Our state competition is judged and ranked and, you know, very similar, um, to, uh, weekend competitions. So awesome. Well, let's take a step, let's take a step back and let's just learn a little bit more about Jennifer. So tell us about, yeah, where, where are you from? Where'd you grow up? Uh, and you know, at what point in your life did you find forensics? 
I um, grew up in Norfolk, Nebraska, the home of Johnny Carson, if you don't know that. And uh, <laughs> I didn't know that, and, but, uh, but I know that person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was born in Iowa, but grew up and went to high school in Norfolk. So my junior high school was his high school. So, yeah, and when I was a sophomore, he did that special. It's called Johnny Comes Home. And we had a big parade for him and had him at a football game and all of that stuff. So it's it's our claim to fame. <laughs> and uh, but I, I think uh, that beats anything we have in Sheboygan. The, so good uh, for you. I said, I think that beats anything but, we have in Sheboygan. So good for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I went to the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. Um, I was, my high school required, um, a speech class to graduate a semester long speech class. And so I just, I fell in love with it. And my teacher wound up being the speech and debate coach. And he always tried to, it's so funny that I'm telling you this story because I just wrote this story down um, for my personal statement for the um, NSDA State Educator of the Year Award, hoping to be yes. in the top five. Congratulations. Congratulations, and, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And so, but he always tried to convince me to be on the team. And I don't know if it's because I was on the dance team or I don't know, but I just, I never did it, but I loved it. I loved everything about about speech and debate, but I just, I didn't want to compete, but I went to the university and knew that I wanted to be a speech communication teacher. And uh, I had to throw a little English with that because I didn't think I would be able to get a job just teaching speech. And uh, it did take me a while. My first two jobs um, were in small rural communities in Nebraska. And then I moved my way to Omaha to a larger Catholic school. And then now I'm at um, a pretty large, one of the largest public schools in the state. And I just, that's, I, I had to compete when I was in college to get my certificate. And I just thought, what an idiot I was to not <laughs> compete in high school. So <laughs> it kind of um, is a nice little motivator for the kids when they find out they're like, what? Um, so, and I, and I didn't get the best grade in my directing forensics class in college. because I, I, Well, I just, I, I was a little stubborn and I decided that I knew computers were going to help us run turn eventually so I didn't pay too much attention as to how to run a tournament on cards okay. so that kind of dinged me toward the end um, but yeah so it's been a 29 year career now of um, coaching speech and teaching a little bit of debate in English along the way that's awesome so, thank you so you like what was young Jennifer like like other than stubborn well I would say a little bit stubborn obviously but like we like I you just have one of those personalities that is so effervescent um that like I want to know what young Jennifer was like was that something you you came to as an adult or were you always you know pretty outgoing yo I was always like that I was I was pretty precocious um I was, no, I've never been patient. I ran away um, to the carnival in a, a small town where I was first living when my parents, after my parents adopted me and, and, um, 
I, I just didn't want to wait for my mom and I knew how to get downtown. So I went, <laughs> went down to try to get onto the rides and they wouldn't let me on the rides. And I just have always been kind of adventurous and doing my own thing, walking my own way and left them at a conference once and found some music on a jukebox in the hotel bar. And they found me dancing in there <laughs> with everybody. <laughs> so old Jennifer isn't much different than uh, young Jennifer was. So that's amazing. <laughs> run for their money <laughs> i love the image of just a kid hanging out in a bar dancing and all the adults being like oh, do they have a grown-up oh no they're cute it's fine yeah <laughs> yeah yeah she's cute she's got little cowboy boots on look at her go <laughs> <laughs> they just start handing you money and candy <laughs> play another song <laughs> yeah. that's cool that's great I feel like at some point we need to reenact that as we move forward in our in our friendship. Yeah. <laughs> Do they have jukeboxes still? <laughs> they have versions of them. Yeah, yeah. they've got internet jukeboxes. You just you connect to them with your you phone. Want. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. So I would love to hear more about uh, what the forensics community is like in in the Omaha area. Um, it's really competitive. Um, we, we all work together. We have, um, uh, great mentors who have long since retired. And those of us who are around still are trying to keep, you know, uphold their beginnings of our program. Like we have, um, the reason we're involved in the NCFL is, because somebody said, hey, I heard about this organization and we've got really good kids who aren't getting to the NFL at that time tournament. And so they brought it to Omaha and now I'm in charge of it. So I, I hold mm-hmm. that legacy in my hand to pass on to someone. And um, then we started, the same people started what we call GOLD. And it stands for the Greater Omaha League of Debate. And much like- I love a good acronym. Country, yeah, yeah. Um, much like the rest of the country, debate came first, oddly enough, um, competitively. You know, even with the NFL, it was, you know, well, because of Lincoln Douglas and, and, and the like. Um, but then they realized the speech events started going. So we offer all Nebraska speech events. And then the three, we don't do congressional debate because they're kind of after school tournaments when they start at four okay. and they're done by like nine or nine thirty. Um, so we don't do congressional debate at all, but it's a great experience. You pay one fee and you bring your varsity members that are eligible to judge. And to ju- so it's, it's perfect. You know, you might pay like $75 for four tournaments and I can have as many entries as I want, as long as I cover the judges. Wow. That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. It's a great experience for the novice kids and it helps with the varsity tournaments because they're not so huge having novice and varsity divisions. And then, so at a lot of like my personal um, invite, and then the one we were just at Friday night, we have, and last week, and many tournaments have um, a top novice or a high novice. So even if your novice competitors are still competing at those, they have the potential to be named the best novice in the competition. So, um, so even if they don't final, oftentimes they are in finals, but if they don't, then they get called down and given their medal or, or whatever the tournament is handing out to them. And so, um, it's pretty nice. Um, so Friday was our biggest tournament of the season so far. They had, um, 620 entries. So, and it was an NIE 2 bid and, 
Um, then the University of Nebraska Lincoln, they always host a tournament the next day. So we were there yesterday, but that's it for 2017 for us. We're wow. going to take 16 days off after Friday and and head back then on competition on January 6th. So yeah, the fact that your season has even started is crazy to us because we're, we're a January and April association. So the fact that you're like our biggest tournament of the season has already happened. Like that literally just gave me like, like slight anxiety thinking about that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Much like I feel when we were at the NSDA ed conference and that's when hurricane Harvey was happening. And the Texas coaches, they, I mean, it was so, it was just compounded because not only were they worried about their family and homes and friends and colleagues, then they had to worry about missing the competitions that were happening that weekend. Hmm. And because it's it, Texas, they start in August, like, or September, ball rolling. Like, yeah. Oof. So when does your season so, technically begin? Um, we are officially allowed to compete through our state association the first weekend in November. And then sometimes that winds up being, um, Halloween. So, but usually it's the first weekend in November until our state tournament is, oh, the third, third weekend in March. Okay. So So that's, that's actually not too long, long. It's not that much longer no. than the season we have here. It's just shifted earlier in the year. Right. So yep. we've talked to some coaches who like, it seems like it just doesn't stop. Yeah. Like <laughs> they're competing almost all year long, just not every weekend. Mm-hmm. What's what's the frequency at which you're competing? Are you out every week? We are. We are. Like when I took kids to the Glenbrooks in Chicago, my assistant had the rest of the team at a local tournament here in Omaha. So yeah, we're, we're gone every weekend (laughs) somewhere. Wow. Wow. So Mm -hmm. how many, how many students do you have on your team? You said you're one of the larger high schools in the state. It is, but we have one of the smaller teams. Um, but I always coach my kids to believe that it's about quality, not quantity. And, um, yeah, we're, we're in similar boats in our area. We actually have some pretty large high schools ourselves, but not, not large, not large teams. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, I'm maybe right around it vacillates, you know, they come and go and then go to a competition or don't. And so 2025, um, is where I tend to be. I've been in the thirties and forties. Um, and I'm, I'm fine with that. We placed third against teams. We had 33, no, 31 entries and 16 finalists and or 16 entries and finals. And I'm, I'm good with that. I don't, I don't need to bring 70 entries to a tournament. (laughs) I'm I'm okay with bringing 31 and, and getting 16 events into finals. So So how does your scoring system work? Um, How, how does a team of, you know, 20 to 30 compete against a team of 70? It's obviously not just cumulative points. Or maybe yeah, it is. Yeah. Maybe you're well, that good. To get it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. To get into finals, we, and we, um, there are some tournaments, those of us that do the national circuit, you know, they're just things that are, we're trying to change in the state. Like we still use speaker points. Um, and those are, they're nice, but sometimes they're just so arbitrary. And so to help people understand why <clears throat> we're not using them anymore. There are a few tournaments um, where we just use rankings and because of SpeechWire, 
little plug for Ben Stewart there. <laughs> um, <laughs> because of Speechwire, we are able to make our prelim breaks based off of head-to-head competition, if there's a tie, based off of head-to-head competition and quality of competition. And those breaks, those ties, maybe happen two or three times a tournament. Um, so it's it, it's so much easier to understand. And then when you break into finals, it's just panel judges and how it shakes out. So if my if my 30 entries can be better than the 70 entries, then that's where I'm going to be. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. That's yeah, very it doesn't interesting. always happen that way, but, you know. No, yeah. So. We're a ranking state, so whenever I hear about people still, like, using speaker points, I'm so interested in that, like, that style of judging versus the ranking style of judging. Mm-hmm. Because it seems I, harder. I'm not a fan. I used to be, but, you know, as you age, you learn and you experience, mm-hmm. you know, other systems and it just, because they're so arbitrary. And then if you want to try to make them not arbitrary, then they're almost punitive because if you're first place, you can only earn between this and this speaker points. And, and but then that's not necessarily true all the time. And so, yeah, hopefully if we can go probably a couple more years, we'll have to have major tournaments um, use it. And then the problem with our state association is it involves everybody, not just the national um, the national circuit schools. Mm-hmm. And so we have to convince their administrators who um, sit on the board of directors for all activities in the state that this is a good move. Like, for instance, up until this year, our state tournament's only been two rounds in finals. And we had, yeah, we have six districts in Nebraska and there's one district that wouldn't pass it. And so it failed. It wouldn't go to executive uh, voting. And the gal who um, is in charge, I guess, of the speech people at the state, she, we have a great relationship with her and, and she got a hold of the people who wrote the proposal and said, I think you need to try to get a class A caucus for this one. And that's the, the level of school that um, I teach at. And, and we did, and we went mm-hmm. to just our category of administrators and said, this is why it's important. And I spoke to mine. And so now just our classification of students gets finally (laughs) um, at least three rounds and finals at our state tournaments. So it's a long haul because they just, they get really scared when we say, well, when you look at national tournaments, well, I don't go to national tournaments. Well, I understand that. And we're not asking you to, Mm -hmm. but here's a a, a more fair, uh, a fairer way to help students succeed at this activity. So it's interesting. Sorry, go ahead. Well, our small rural, rural schools, they're English teachers who are told, hey, you've got to teach a little bit of speech and you've got to be the speech coach. Yeah. And so they're really resistant to thinking about changing. Like, this is what I know. This is what I've known. So. And it's interesting to hear you talk about that dynamic of the pushback from somebody who uh, doesn't want to do something differently, but specifically doesn't want to use nationals as the model for what you should do in the state. We 
we experience that a lot here in Wisconsin. We feel you. Yeah. <laughs> that, you know, there are some teams that like, there are some teams, there are some coaches, uh, that their ambition is not to go to nationals. So whenever you say, you know, this is something that will make it easier for those schools who want to go to nationals, the knee jerk reaction is, well, we don't go to nationals. It's like, well, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean it won't also improve it for you. We're just talking about a system that will make it easier for those who are currently doing it. And who knows, maybe someday down the line, you might want to go to nationals, you know, like let well, us let the next conversation be what a great experience yeah. that could be for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it gives your, your student a, a more fruitful experience. Like, you know, they really get the meaning and the understanding as to the power of this activity. And, um, we did though, we, there was a few years back, you guys might remember it. Um, it hit social media like a firestorm. Um, and I think it may have hit the national news as well. There was a young man who, um, won his state classification area, his school, he won poetry and it was about, basically just be nice is about being love who you want to love. Don't worry about it. And, um, for all of our other state championships, they air them live on, um, Nebraska television. Okay. Well, you can't really do that with a speech competition. And so we're trying to, we tried for years to figure out what to do. And finally, um, we came up with a solution that, um, the association chooses champions from each event, and then they try to ma- uh, make sure they have um, equal gender representation, equal like rural vor- versus urban school, suburban school. Um, and then um, in all the different events, well, this young man, and then we call it the, um, oh, geez, it just left my mind. I even had an extemper in it, but um, <laughs> th- he, this young man was selected the year he won poetry and the association told him once they saw it, they told him he had to change it or they couldn't air it. Say what now? And they, it, <laughs> they told him he had to change his poetry program or they wouldn't air it. Because it was, was like, too inclusive? Yeah, they said it was about, um, it was too controversial because it was about gay marriage. About how many years ago was that? I mean, we say that now, but I mean, I guess how many years ago was that marriage equality is still fairly new. Five, maybe. Okay. Yeah. I mean, attitudes have changed a lot. I guess I'm, I, in, you know, sitting in 2017, that's really surprising to hear, but sitting in 2012, maybe I would have not been so surprised by that. I wouldn't have agreed with it, but I may not have been so surprised. Yeah. But it's still, it's still punishing a kid. Which I'm not so, saying it's yeah. right. I I'm just know, saying you're trying like, to be devil's advocate. No, we don't I'm, absolute, be devil's I'm absolutely advocate. not being devil's advocate. I'm but that saying is, I mean, it wouldn't least, have surprised me. But it is cool that they air them. That's a really interesting thing to, to be able to do. But it sort mm-hmm. of feels like it just feels it feels mean. Don't like that. Yeah. Oh, it was horrible. And it was a firestorm. I was. I don't know how well because I had first block plan or my kids were researching or something. And I was one of the very few to get through to our state director, not of speech, but just of the whole activities association. And um, I was talking to her 
And I, I got through somehow and she said, oh, I know why you're calling. And I said, well, can we have a discussion about this? Because I think it's really important that we don't censor this young man. And um, she said, well, I just, I don't, I've made my decision and that's that. And I said, you're the woman who's fighting for inclusive bathrooms for transgender youth. So hmm. I'm really confused about your stance on this poetry program. Click. She hung up on me. Oh, oh my no. gosh. <laughs> what? <laughs> and from that point on, she wasn't accepting any calls all day long. <laughs> but by the end of the day, because I had called Scott one mm-hmm. and um, by the end of the day, she, they reversed it. And awesome. because he had, Scott was just, he literally told me, he said, I was just starting to dial her number. And I saw on Facebook come through victory. Michael's performing his original, his, his championship program. And because they kept saying, Oh, well the state, they won't be able to handle it. It's like, we don't have to watch it. Half the people don't even know that this show is aired. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And, and honestly, our state judges are quite conservative. Mm -hmm. So if he won the state championship with traditionally conservative judges. Says a lot about the program. I don't know where you're getting that the state is going to not approve of what he presents. Right. So, yeah, yeah. So In the, in the years that followed, did you ever get a further explanation of what the worry was? I mean, was the concern just that there would be some blowback on the activity as a whole? Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's... Yep. I mean, it's incredibly sad. A great woman, like I said, she was fighting for transgender access to bathrooms. So, and that's part of why she left the position and went to a different state because she was getting a lot of pushback from the administrators that I've talked about saying, well, we don't need to do that. And she was like, no, yeah, we do. We do. Mm -hmm. You know, because, well, you know, very rural area or, you know, they... I think some people like to believe that transgender students don't exist. And we just started um, you know, trying to do that this year. So she was ahead of the curve yeah. of Wisconsin, at least because I, in my role yeah. for our state association, just started trying to do that this upcoming season. So, and it's not, it's not going well. Yeah. yeah well, I, I hope they look toward the Nebraska policy because we do have a policy now, our state association for athletics. I mean, it just, it covers everything. It covers music, journalism, speech, debate, and all athletics. And they, there's a policy in there to, you know, provide um, equal opportunity for trans, transgender students in bathrooms and locker rooms. Fantastic. Awesome. No, it's amazing. Okay. I know, I know. Oh. I know. So there's very, very little sometimes we can hang our hat on and that makes mm-hmm. me really proud. Come on, Wisconsin. We can do it. Guys, please. <laughs> so you were talking about calling up Scott Wannon. So you are a part of the NSDA on on the national level. You are a board member. Can you tell us a little bit about being involved on the national the level? Though. Yeah, but you are now. You've advanced. Yeah, yeah. yeah I have. <laughs> So just tell us a little bit about what that what that is like for you if you have an official title there. 
Um, it's, it's a little surreal, honestly. Um, I had a really good friend in, um, South Dakota and I, well, she's still a really good friend, but I, we were sitting at the Dowling tournament and she said, well, why don't you run for the board? And I said, what board? (laughs) (laughs) The NSCA board of directors. And I kept laughing. I was like, me? She goes, well, yeah, we love our Midwesterners. And I was like, Teresa, no way. <laughs> and I just, I I don't know. I kept thinking about it and thinking about it. And that was December and talking to some friends and that had been coaches with me. And our um, one of my dear friends, she works for the um, Anti-Defamation League in Chicago now. And, and she was like, go for it. You'd be great. And I was like, eh. So I went to the Sunvitational in um, Fort Lauderdale that year and I was talking to Steve Shapon and he was like, oh my God, that'd be so awesome. And Scott and Don Crabtree just happened to be at the Sunvite that year. And so I um, approached them and Scott was a little resistant at for not I don't want to say resistant, but he didn't go, yeah, 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 right away. And I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of weird. And but Don was. Don was very enthusiastic about it and so I just thought about it for a while and we finished up the round robin part of the competition and then we went to a little coaches gathering and well, Bonnie Knight actually was there that year when I decided to do that. And Scott's like, come here, I got to talk to you. And I was like, but I, I, she was like, you could talk to your Wisconsin friends in a little bit. I got something I got to tell you. <laughs> and I was, <laughs> and I was like, okay, okay, okay. What? I'll be right back, Bonnie. Sorry. And he was like, I think you need to do it. And I was like, I think I need to do what? <laughs> Who are you, I did. You just pulled me away from my friends. Is that what you think I need to do? I'm so confused. And he was like, no, I think you need to do it. Run for the board. And I was like, Okay, so then I got back to Nebraska and I had to write a Hall of Fame nomination for my friend Fred Robertson and then my board candidacy statement and voila, I wound up on the board and then the after my first two years because I just I actually took um uh, there's a little bit of an incident with a former coach um, from the Bronx, John Cruz, and so I wound up being in his position for those two years Mm -hmm. and then just really became great friends with Candy King out of um, San Antonio. And I, two, two years ago when I had to do my next statement, I was like, I, I don't know. And Candy's like, you have to. And I said, well, I don't have to. And (laughs) no, I really think you, you know, and she worked with me and I got my candidacy statement written and, here I am for my first full four year term. And, you know, sometimes it's, you know, I, I sit at the table and I, and I look and I'm, I'm, I'm sitting next to Tommy Lindsay. Like I'm passing Tommy Lindsay a little mini Snickers bar or something. Like I'm like, that's Tommy Lindsay. And then I look across the table and I'm like, that's Pam Katie. You know And then I look and I'm like, there's Don Crabtree. And sometimes I just, it, I'm a little overwhelmed with, um, that expertise and that just, iconicness, the the stature of those humans um, that I get the ability to make decisions with and learn from. My gosh, in the Mm -hmm. last three years, I've learned so much about speech and debate education and actually education in and of itself and teaching. And that's what's really cool about it is, you know, and then I also I get to be a voice for the flyover states, I guess. Um, so that's that's really nice to be able to do that as well. Are you the only board member from the Midwest? 
No, no. Yeah. Don Crabtree and Pam McComas are from Missouri and Kansas. Okay. And Pam Katie Wyckoff is from Minnesota. Our beloved Minnesota. Um, I married a Minnesotan. Yes. So. Yes, yes. And then um, Tim Sheaf is from Iowa. So we almost all are. Then we've got Jay Rye from Alabama and um, Dave Houston from Texas uh, and Tommy Lindsay in um, California. Excellent. So like, what does it entail being on the board? Like how often do you actually get to sit across the table from these folks? Um, well, technically three times a year because mm-hmm. nationals, but we don't ever meet um, as a board at nationals. Um, but we have two um, face-to-face meetings, one in September and then one in May. And then we have two online all board meetings. And then we have committee meetings throughout the year. Like I'm on a uh, rules and regulations committee. And then I'm also on a newly formed um, hall of fame committee because we realized that we're starting to get uh, member coaches who aren't necessarily educators, or there are also other people who have a large impact on speech and debate, but are not educator. They may be members of the corporate world, but they, you know, are great, um, I guess, advocates for speech and debate education. So, um, I don't, we haven't had our first meeting yet, so I'll be okay. excited. Pam Kitty Wyckoff is our, um, leader of that committee. So I'm excited to see where that goes. Well, we're as, no. as two non-teacher coaches, that's very exciting to hear that it that's is. being talked about. Yeah. 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 It's just, you know, because some people there was, um, I don't think there is anybody on the actual Hall of Fame yet, but there have been recent nominations. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and even of deceased, like uh, coaches who have um, passed away during the year. And it's, we don't want to say that they don't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, but maybe there's a different kind of Hall of Fame um, for coaches of different levels. So, Mm -hmm. um, but I'm really interested. We have old Hall of Fame members on it. We have our current Hall of Fame members, obviously, and um, board members and other uh, member coaches from across the country. And and, um, we started uh, two years ago, three years ago, my first year, they were talking about um, expanding the board with appointed members because we have to realize our faults in that we're not financiers and we're not necessarily major donor fundraisers and those sorts of things. So um, we have appointed um, three new board members. Um, Tom Rollins is one and he um, is an entrepreneur. So he really, and a lawyer and he knows how to do um, the books, like the way he was talking about financing and how ledgers should look and those, like, I know the terminology, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) I, I couldn't tell you, you know, what the best method of, you know, using funds and stuff. And he's just been amazing um, with helping that. And they just had their first board meeting in September. And um, then Dr. Um, uh, Bob Muncie, or Runcie, sorry. And he is the superintendent of schools in Broward County in Florida. And so he brings a whole new piece. Like he, they've got speech and debate in grade schools in Broward County. What? Yes. Yes. 
That mental and, image is so um, cute. <laughs> do they make them yeah, wear suits? Yeah. Do they have Do they have um, properly you know sized what? I binders? I don't know what they wear. I think they probably just wear church clothes, like right. nice church clothes. <laughs> um, but yeah, they every he wants it K twelve. He wants every school in his district to participate in speech and debate competitions, and they're one of the largest school districts in the country. Um, so we need his advice as to how do we get other administrators to have that same philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, we have, um, an executive from NBC who is um, going to be an other, a new member of the board as well. So, um, it's, it's nice. It's, it's really kind of fun. Um, member schools got a little, you know, oh, well, so now we're paying for more people and it's like, no, that's, they're not elected. They're right. not elected by the membership. So the membership doesn't provide, um, you know, their stuff for nationals and they have a, a bigger ask mm-hmm. than the other board members do. And so, yeah. That's awesome. That makes me proud yeah. to be a member of yeah. the NSDA. Super does. Good. Good. It does. Um, Without, I mean, you've just given us some great insight. What else like is without speaking out of school, like when you guys get together, what do you generally talk about? What are the concerns of the day? What are some goals that the NSDA is considering? Also the hot gossip. (laughs) Yes. Any gossip you have that you can share is great too. We promise we won't tell anyone. Um, This isn't recorded. (laughs) Um, you know, I just think that the biggest thing that I've learned, I guess, and seen is that, um, and I've always known it just from the time I met him, um, but Scott one is so charismatic and he has surrounded himself with the staff that has nothing but respect for him and they just work their tails off for speech and debate education and the ideas and information that they come up with um, to help people have better experiences at this activity is really quite awesome. Um, and we want to keep running with that. We have spent quite a bit of time in my first three years on the board, um, dealing with strategic planning and pulling in experts who do strategic planning with corporate America. And what do we need to do to make sure, because, you know, we're moving our way up. I think when Scott became the executive director, I don't, I don't know for sure where it was, but you know, we're working into being a, a multi-million dollar nonprofit organization, you know? And so there, we got to keep track of how we spend that money and mm-hmm. where it goes. And, um, we've got a great finance director and it just, we all worked so well together, um, trying to be proactive than rather reactive. That's one of the biggest things on the rules and regulations committee um, that we are really concerned about. You know, we want things to be fair. I know because coaches were not super happy with the additional um, cuts, uh, the additional uh, scripts that they had to provide for districts and for nationals that they qualified. But we had to stop 
getting protests of national finalists. Right. Like all, all three years at like in Dallas and then in mm-hmm. Salt Lake City. And, you know, like it, we didn't have one um, this year in Birmingham, but um, and then the year before when I wasn't on the board, there have been protests <laughs> for national finalists and national yeah. finalists have either lost their championship, um, like after Dallas for humor or been removed and not awarded, um, a place or had their, vi- their video taken out of the DVD as in from Salt Lake city. And, mm-hmm. you know, you recognize cause people are always like, well, how did he get the finals? Well, because they have 12 coaches who have never seen their script (laughs) and they just made it through, you know, and unfortunately that's part of our society is that, you know, if we can get by with it, we're going to get by with it. But I always tell my kids, I said, well, Mr. Holm, who's going to know that? And I was like, I don't know. You never know. You absolutely never have any idea what judge is going to know what poem that you present or script or done research on the topic that you're speaking on? Like you just, and so that's why we added the extra script. That's why we added the auditors into semifinals where there are actual additional humans outside of the judges with the scripts that the coaches have uploaded and given to the NSDA before they came to nationals and making sure that we're, we're they're good to go before we get them on that final stage. That's I didn't know about the auditors. That's, the, That's super cool. Mm-hmm. And we had zero protests at, during finals, not throughout the whole tournament. Right. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but, you know, we didn't have to, you know, stay up or come in early to figure out a protest of a final round of competition. Um, so it, it seemed to work there. Now were there flaws? 100%. Um, and hopefully we can fix some of those flaws um, for this upcoming nationals in Fort Lauderdale. Um, so that's, I really appreciate um, the work that's put in um, to that by everybody. Um, and just, you know, meeting our agendas, um, finding new things to look at, like Tommy Lindsay, one of my first years, approached the board about having an ad hoc committee that talks about inclusion. And then that's where in Salt Lake City, they created the caucuses and um, they're so well received by the coaches and we're going to keep doing them uh, because what do you have to do on Sunday? You know, you're at this big expo and you're trying to do registration and your kids are running around looking at all the different things and the camps and everything. And so what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to, you know, I'm a, I'm a young um, African-American coach, so I'm going to go to the African-American coaches caucus or I'm going to go to the women's coaches caucus or um, you know it's just it's been fantastic and a great um, and that came from the committee of coaches from across the country um, which is great and that's that's what I really like about the NSDA is and do they do everything that every coach suggests absolutely not because you can't right Um, but when it's something like as simple as 
let's have some breakout rooms with caucuses where coaches who, who are maybe representing a minority um, of students or of coaches or of schools, you know, I'd like to see a rural schools coaches caucus, um, you know, and it's cool because that, that came from the membership. That didn't come from the board. That came from the membership through the inclusion committee. Um, and so that's what I, I really like about it. My couple of my friends from way, way back in college, one calls me a muck now, um, but he knows that we're, we're doing the right thing and, and good things. So sweet. I like it. <laughs> I, I love that. And makes me proud. And I'm ashamed to say I did not even know that was happening. So I think that that's fantastic. Yep. And I, I'm going to start shouting it from the mountaintops. <laughs> that, that happens. Good. Yeah. Good. So that's great. Um, we could talk about NSDA forever. I do want to touch on yeah. uh, your time uh, when you hosted nationals uh, for the NCFL in Omaha. <laughs> First of all, what were you drinking when you decided you could do that? Because I would like some. Please. Yeah, we'll need some. <laughs> oh, I was drinking a little Bonnie Night Energy. I think <sighs> um, she gets you. I was gonna say. Put, huh? I was just Bonnie Night. She can. Bonnie Night is the reason one that I got involved in the state uh, organization here in Wisconsin. Two, she's part of the reason this podcast exists. She was the very first coach to say yes to being on the podcast and the very first interview we uh, ever aired. Yeah, she, um, I became the league director uh, because another a friend of mine couldn't do it anymore. And um, that was actually the year Katrina hit New Orleans. And we were supposed to go to fall meeting in New Orleans and I wasn't going to be able to go anyway. And so then that spring we had nationals in Chicago and Sarah Donnelly was the duo chair at that time. And I was put into duo tab and Bonnie was there with Sarah and we were still on cards. There were a couple of people running the computer to make sure the computer matched the cards. Mm -hmm. Um, and we were going through the, and I was so intimidated and, um, you know, everybody has different personalities or different ways of doing things. And Sarah just said, well, for octofinalists, this is what we're looking for. And I went through and I was like, I think this math is bad. And she was like, oh, my God. Holy shit. You just found a mistake. Oh, my yeah. God. We almost didn't get the right people into octofinals. And I was like, oh, wow. That's kind of weird because I'm not very good at math. And I really like running my tournament on a computer. And... um and then we just, we became, the three of us became the best of friends. And then the next year we were in Houston for NCFL. And uh, I remember sitting there in tab and I, some friends of some coaches in Nebraska had said something like, well, why Nebraska? Cause we can never host NSDA ever right. um, because it's college world series. So um, people lose rooms for their wedding to college world series folks. Um, so, <laughs> so that's not going to happen. And people were like, well, we want to host nationals. We want to show people what Omaha has, blah, blah, blah. And uh, so I'm sitting there with Bonnie and Sarah and it was, out round day on Sunday and we're just kind of sitting around and 
I looked and I said, so what does it take to host the national tournament? And I could see they kind of looked at each other because we didn't have one for 2010. There was no city up for 2010. And um, then Bonnie and I ran down to Tiffany's to make a purchase. And she said, so are you really thinking about hosting this nationals? And I said, well, I don't know. I've had some coaches ask me from back home. And she's like, that was a spot on Wisconsin impression, by the way. Very nicely done. (laughs) (laughs) And so then um, they just got me going. I got home that summer. Um, I didn't have, that was Wichita for NFL and I didn't have a qualifier. And I saw an ad for the convention bureau. Uh, in Omaha <laughs> and I, I called him hmm. and I said, Hey, my name is Jennifer Jerome. I'm thinking about hosting a national speech and debate tournament. Who should I talk to? And they put me in touch with this lovely woman um, named Kathy Rosine and she and I and a couple of other people just started going like gangbusters. We went on to the NCFL site and we looked at the bid packet Um and we just started rolling and they put together this phenomenal package for me. And um, we even have little DVDs of why Omaha was great. And they sent all of the executive committee of the NCFL little um, flannel um, Omaha throws. I still have mine in my classroom in case my classroom gets too cold. And Catherine Moore is so funny. Every single national, she's like, you know, Jennifer, I think about you every time, every summer at the beginning of the school year because my building is so cold and I put that Omaha blanket around my legs all the time. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, Catherine, you are amazing. And, um, that was also a spot you know, on had, Catherine Lure yeah, impression. Then, My goodness, girl, you got some chops. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and then we went to Appleton for fall meeting and I presented why we should go to Omaha in 2010 and Michael Naylor um, trying to, and he was so funny. He was like, you know, I wasn't really trying to do anything to you, Jennifer. I was just trying to make sure the board knew that they're not doing their job, getting nationals set up. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's fine, Mike. And, or Michael. (laughs) And, uh, and he did, he stood up, he goes, so why should we let you host nationals? You're not following the rules by putting in your bid by three years in advance five years or whatever it was right. in advance. And I was like, well, I don't know. Are you going to host nationals? Cause there isn't anybody for 2010 to host nationals. And he just started laughing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that, that, that's all she wrote. They voted yes. And then the wheels started cranking fast because it was kind of like Eloise, you know, she had to put up Houston in a super short amount of time. And, Mm -hmm. but I knew I could because I had the support of my local coaches. I would have never done it had they not said, do it. Um, because I can't get into all of their buildings, you know? Um, so, and it just, my district, we have three gigantic high schools, who hosts three decent sized um, varsity tournaments and they both hosted at that time. Well, yeah, they both still do host speech and debate tournaments. Um, and so our, our teachers are used to it. Our administrators are used to it. Um, 
and it was it was it was quite a deal. And then I tried to get um, public schools, but I had just um, gotten a position as an ad hoc um, or an adjunct professor at Creighton University, and so um, my connection at the Omaha CVB knew that admissions person at Creighton. And so Creighton got us a non-profit, non-weekend, non-holiday rate uh, for their rooms. Yeah. And then this is the coup de grace. Um, The dean of the school of law happens to be the father of two of my former competitors. And so I went to go meet with him and he said, yeah, uh, yeah, we can get you the building, Jennifer. And I said, Craig, that's so awesome. He goes, yeah. And I said, well, how much? Because I got to look at budget. And he goes, oh, 375. And I said, oh, 375 each day. Oh, no. So we got the entire school of law at Creighton University for $375 for two days. Oh, <laughs> what? wow. What a <laughs> gift. What? That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other than the attrition, yeah, other than the attrition, because what stung Omaha with NCFL is that's just when Hotels.com and all of that, that's right when it started becoming super popular. Mm. And also when budgets started getting really slashed. And unfortunately, um, people started staying out of the block more because they were saving money. Mm. Um, and also we had a hotel downtown that let everybody in the hotel get, get the block rate, but they didn't give us the hotel full hotel for the block. They just, people kept calling them and they kept saying, Oh, we really want to stay there. And so they gave them the block rate, but you know, um, it, it is what it is. I look at the positive aspect of I still to this day at NCFL and at NSDA and even at NIETOC every once in a while get some comments, you know, when's Omaha going to host again? That was such a great nationals. And it's like, uh, <laughs> I mean, it was, it, it legitimately was. <laughs> I had amazing pizza in Omaha and one of the best eggplant Parmesan's I've ever had at some seafood restaurant along the river. So, oh, that's amazing. For me, it was mostly about the food, but like, I guess the tournament was great for, too. For us, it's mostly about the food. <laughs> the competition, oh, of the of course it is. but the food. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the CVB and I just, I knew because we are so close to the old market and I just, there's so much to offer in Omaha. And I just, I still like, um, uh, Sister Mary Pat in Florida, she asked me at fall meeting, she said, what are you going to do about the small airplanes that fly into the airport? <laughs> and I looked at her and I said, Sister Pat, I when I work for the FAA, I'll let you know what I can do about that. <laughs> but uh, I don't work for the FAA right now. And I'm pretty sure there are smaller planes that flew into Appleton. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I <laughs> I think I think what flies into Omaha is a okay. I said you can fly into Kansas City and drive up if you want a bigger plane, but I I I think we're okay in Omaha. So and somehow everyone made it, huh? And somehow everyone made it. They did. They made it. And well, because it was so centrally located, mm-hmm. you know, so like the Texans, most people could drive. We drove. We did. Because, yeah. Yep. 
that's what was nice about it is most people can drive when you're coming from even Colorado. And I do Alaska. Omaha was Alaska's first NCFL. So that was kind of fun to know. Yeah. Hey, Alaska. It was great. (laughs) Yeah. The community, yeah. The community just really pulled together with me though. You know, like I, I went to the people who do my team t-shirts to help with the souvenirs Mm -hmm. and you know, she cut me a deal. They actually did the graphic designing of it. I said, I have a friend who, like, we're hosting nationals. And, well, my friend who convinced me to run for the NSDA board um, came up with it because she's in the Omaha League. And um, she said, well, it sh- we should be called, like, the center of attention and have spotlights or something. And so I just called them up and I said, this is what I got. And <laughs> then they came up with the rest of the design for us. So, um it was really cool, and they did. We were also we were the first to have the reusable grocery bags as souvenirs. Uh, we were the first to have hired judges available. Oof, that was a bone of contention. Mm-hmm. They were not happy about that. But it's like we had judges that are in Kansas City that want to drive up. We've got judges all over in Omaha, and we've got people coming from New York City who don't want to fly judges out and have them stay in a hotel room for four days. Right. We can make them pay $250 for a judge that can go sleep in their own bed every night. Mm-hmm. And that's um, one of those things so that seems like such a no-brainer once you do it. Oh, yeah. We put our foot down. Yeah. Like Fred Robertson was like, nope, absolutely not. We're doing this. I don't care if they want us to or not. Um, and so, and I had nice local coaches who get websites and web design (laughs) and so, and PayPal, like I still don't really, I mean, I, I don't, I don't use PayPal. I'm like, I just, and that's my sticking point. Whereas my mother, like she thinks the ATM is a magic machine. She doesn't understand how (laughs) I put a card in there and get money out. So I still am like PayPal, I'll do it if I have to, um, So he took control over all of that. And I mean, it just, it was, it was really nice to showcase um, Omaha. I still have a bunch of leftover t-shirts too, if somebody wants them. That was a little, that was a minor disaster too, is that we um, somehow the, the remaining inventory didn't get put out on finals day and before awards. So... But we still made a bunch of money. I must be Thank better you. at marketing than I thought I was. Good, yeah, good job. I was going to say, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in charge of merch for Milwaukee coming up in a couple of years in 2019. So Yeah, do you have any tips for us yeah. local folks who are going to be helping our Milwaukee tournament on how to not scare away our tournament hosts? <laughs> uh, no, Steve's good. He'll, he'll get you where you need to go. Milwaukee's hosted great national tournaments, so you guys got it dialed in. Okay, good. <laughs> so yeah. that's that's what I wanted to talk about. What do you want to talk about? You know, you've got yeah, this, your um, turn. this amazing perspective from the national level, from where you are uh, in Nebraska. What are you seeing in forensics that that you like, that you dislike? What excites you? What worries you about the state of forensics right now? Um. What worries me is that it costs so much and doesn't bring in anything. And um, we're losing that value. Like even in the state of Nebraska um, for the last uh, three years ago, I think it was, they were the last students to be able to graduate with the certificate that I have. And that's in 
um, speech in English. And it's all language arts now. And I, I really, um, I'm concerned that people think that they get communication skills somewhere else just by knowing how to talk or um, that, that worries me overall about communication education. Um, you know, you'd see that it's one of the first departments that shut down on a college campus. Don't know why. Um, and that's, that's what worries me as someone who's at the end of the tunnel um, toward retirement. I'm not quite there, you know, another decade or so, um, but um, that's troublesome. But I see youth coming forward that are making that go away, that they're not going to let that happen. Um, so that's a good thing. As far as competitively, I really worry about losing sight of what the activity really gives you outside of shiny things. Um, the shiny things are nice. I got lots of shiny things this weekend. We placed third on Friday and um, we won the tournament yesterday, but I had seniors who didn't final on one night or the other night and, and they're okay with it because they know the lifelong skills are getting out of it. Um, and I worry that we're getting caught up in the shiny things. And that means we're starting to copy people who get shiny things. Mm -hmm. um, and we're seeing it more and more. I have a, a recent grad, a 2017 grad who judged Friday night and he judged an informative that is basically a copy of an informative from the 2017 national final. And he called him out on it yeah. um, or called the competitor out on it and went line by line because this student of mine was a national competitor and he was on the national circuit and knew this um, student who had finaled. And, and, and we see that's the first I've seen it in public address. We've seen it for years in interp. Yeah. Um, and that is something too, that the NSCA board is addressing, you know, like, how do we, but how do we police that? And how do, how does that become our rule? Right. Like you can't do it at nationals, but we don't want to get into the business of other people's business. You know, like if a state doesn't want their students to do that, then the state has to make that law or that ruling that, you know, that's illegal and you could be disqualified for it. Um, so that's what I get Cause I think that's the only reason kids are doing it. I don't think they're yeah. doing it because they're dishonest and malicious people. They're doing it because they saw somebody get a big shiny thing on a big stage and they want to be that person um, where they could be that person with their own stuff. Um, so I think that's, that's the biggest fear and worry, I guess that mm -hmm. I see in well, it. Part of that so, is access, isn't it as well? I mean, it's so much easier to yep. find those performances mm -hmm. to, to copycat than it was even five years ago. Uh, I, I struggle oh, with that with yeah. my kids every day. Like, you know, Oh, I found this piece. I yep. really like it. Great. What is it? They send me a YouTube video and I'm like, well, <laughs> like, that 
<laughs> like, I, what you found is a performance you want to copy, not a piece you want to do. Let's. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah. 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 And, and, um, you know, as long as we know that there are those out there that mm-hmm. will make sure that that doesn't happen, but that's also part of, you know, the audit as well. We put people in there who are knowledgeable about, you know, it, different scripts and those sorts of things, you know, they're, they're experienced tab workers and coaches, not, you know, somebody that's just come off the street or, or, Mm -hmm. you know, new, um, to things. So yeah, that's, that's my, a big concern there. So. Well, then what are the things that you are enjoying seeing? Like what (laughs) trends do you, are you excited about in forensics? Um, Oh, I'm about just the ability to, cause I've been coaching since 1989 and the freedom that kids have in choosing something that speaks to them. I just think that that's amazing that they are literally the future. And like I have my, one of my seniors is, has written her oratory on pity and how we don't need pity, we need action. And um, I just think that's amazing. And we have um, amazing people out there running camps and coaching in the trenches, whether you're coaching 100 kids or 20 kids or five kids, you know, you're, you, they get it. There are still people that just get it and, and they love it. And I think that, and it's growing. Like it's huge. Everything's it's growing. Um, so um, I don't think it's going anywhere fast. And I think with the help of um, things like this, like the podcast and, you know, um, other things that are going on with um, National Speech and Debate Education Day that we've coming up, we've got coming up on March 2nd. Mm-hmm. And um, just getting all of those, you know, we had 32 states last year recognize it. Um, and hopefully we're, we're shooting for 50 this year and um, just making sure that we use our voices in a positive way. Um, I don't know. I think it's, it's the future is, is very bright because our kids are, you know, we're mm-hmm. teaching some of the best. We are. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. 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 I mean, who else is going to, what other teenager do you know that's going to put on a business suit? Like my kids, this was a swing weekend for them and not every one of them could do it, but we got home Friday night at midnight and they were on a bus at seven o'clock before, like the bus was leaving the parking lot at seven o'clock on Saturday morning. Um, you know, and they're in their business suit again. Like Mm -hmm. what kids are going to do that other than the most amazing kids on the planet. So it's true. Yeah. It's why we it's do good. what we do. Well, it's why uh-huh. the kids it are is. why we're there. But I have to say one exceptional perk is the fellow coaches that you get to meet and interact with. And that's part of why we do this podcast is so that uh, people who haven't yet had a chance to meet Jennifer Jerome just got a little taste of how great it is to be in the same room. Um, and I mean, wow. this is the longest conversation I've had a chance to have with you, but you'd best believe I've been sitting in the room eavesdropping which is sort of my MO. <laughs> I just like, I just, I just, I just like to get in the room and then just listen. Uh, Cause I find that I learn so much, just like you said, getting, getting on the board, it, you learn. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that's what I try to tell the really scared younger coaches about nationals. I'm like, I was scared. I was scared to death. Mm -hmm. Um, But I didn't have a choice because the school I got a job at said, this is what we do. Uh And so I was like, okay, I have to host a tournament. I have to do these nationals things. I had no idea. I I had never, you know, and then even for nationals, for NCFL, you you used to get schematics. And so, you know, you you just learn and and grow. And I I always tell them, I said, I can't imagine where I would be right now as an educator if I didn't start going to those national tournaments. You know, mm-hmm. and getting beat up like we got beat up last year <laughs> um, in CFL, you know, because I had young kids, I had yeah. babies, I had a sophomore and three freshmen. Um, but, you know, the sophomore is now a junior and those freshmen are now sophomores and they're doing what they need to do back home every week because of what they learned about themselves and about forensics and about each other in those four short days in Louisville, you know? So that's amazing. Awesome. Well, we don't want to take up too much of your time though. We could talk to you forever. Um, But you know, what else, is there anything else you just want to touch on? Uh, Any shout outs you want to do? Anything you need to plug? Nope. (laughs) <laughs> nice and simple no, I think I did, I did that I weaved that in <laughs> nicely <laughs> nicely so. done well th- thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us it was um, delightful I hope you'll come back and do it again I could definitely see us having you on again closer to NSDA Nationals just to talk about all of those extra opportunities available to coaches and students that maybe people aren't as aware of as we should be yeah, I would love to do that. I love that. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for thank taking you. the time. Thank you. Yeah, bye. Thanks. Bye. Forensic Spaces is recorded and edited in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Our theme song is written and performed by JJ Hammeister. If you're a fan of Forensic Spaces, give us a rating. iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. I just switched to Podbean because the Apple Podcast app is horrible. So uh, wherever you go, just give give us a rating. Do it. It's really nice. Uh, You can find more info at ForensicSpaces.com and connect with us on Facebook and Twitter by searching Forensic Spaces. I'm Kurt. And I'm Melissa, encouraging you to listen, think, and speak. Preferably in that order. 